0: Okay, so hi everyone. Uh, I'm Zach. Uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction, Caleb. So I was um, I was asked to open up for Josh about a month ago, and I was you know I was pretty indifferent about it. I'm, I'm pretty nervous still, and I was nervous then, and I'm nervous now. So I pray that you'll uh, be with me, help me help me preach. I'm probably gonna fumble over my words. I might even cough here and there. Because I've got a little bit of a cough, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to power through. We're going we're gonna to do this, all right? So, I'm not going to talk very long, but I am uh, very passionate about what I want to talk about. I feel like God has been indirectly uh, talking to me about this for the last couple of weeks, and I'm pretty excited to share it with all of you. So, the title is The Key to Delivery, and if you want to throw that up, The Key to Delivery... All right, and um, so we're going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 16, and starting in verse 22, so I'll let all of you get there. And um, just before we read, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory of what's happening. So in the book of Acts, this is right after uh, Jesus' resurrection and the Great Commission for all the disciples, so you don't spread the word around the world. So Paul and Silas are on their second missionary trip, and they're going to Mas- Macedonia, Macedonia, to, you know, preach the gospel and um, spread this around the world. So in their travels, they come across a enslaved fortune teller lady, which, you know, it's pretty whack. So they, and obviously with the, um, you know, with her, as they cross Paul in verse 18, he commands the demon to flee out of her, which is pretty awesome, good for Paul. He's, He's an awesome dude. But, however, for this act... As we'll read in uh, 22, the people did not receive it very well. So we'll start in 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jail was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So, as you can see, Paul and Silas ha- are doing what God wants them to do. They're, you know, they're Christians, and they're, they're paving the way, and they're teaching all these things, and they're delivering. They delivered this woman from the demon that, that is in, inside of her. They're doing good things. However, they're still enslaved. You know, they're still seeing hardships. They're still seeing struggles. And um, that brings me to my first point. I got a couple little points in here. My first point is a lot of times I feel like us Christians... We, we think that we're above all that, right? Like, we've got God behind our backs. We don't, we don't have any worries. We don't have any struggles. We don't have any problems. But I would argue to say that the opposite is true. I think being a Christian comes with even more struggles and more hardships. And it's hard sometimes. It's not fair. And it, it might not seem easy because it's not easy. And it, it is hard. So how do we deal with these struggles How how would you deal with these struggles? Well, I I think the main way is prayer. You know, prayer is awesome. Prayer, um, it's it's good. It's good to ask things of God and to bring our needs to him. Actually, in in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Asking you shall, and it shall be given to you, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened. So we should bring our needs to God because he will deliver them, right? He will help us through. However... There's a caveat to this, because they aren't in our time. See, we might ask things of God, and when we don't see them come to fruition, we get, we get a little confused. We might get a little mad, even. Like, God, I asked. I've, I prayed. You said, if I brought this to you, then you'd help me through. So why am I not seeing this? And I feel like the trap we can kind of get ourselves in is just asking over and over again, we just ask things of God, and we can even turn them into demands. Like, we might enter, and every, every Sunday we have a, we have a prayer, ga- prayer um, little meeting beforehand, and it's wonderful, and it's wonderful to just get in the presence of God beforehand and ready our minds. However, I've even found myself just in the midst of my struggles, I'm just like, okay, God, here's what I need. It's, it's like a Christmas list, Right? People always ask for your Christmas list. It's like, what do you want? It's like we're giving God a Christmas list of, of what we need to see in our lives. Like, I need, I need deliverance from my financial struggle. I, I need a breakthrough at my home. Like, God, I, I want all these things, and, and I want to see them in my time. I want to see them by Christmas Day, you know? I want to get it right under the tree. I can unroll, and I'll thank you when I get it. But it's not always like that, you know? It's, it's not that easy. And I think that's the big problem because it's not like that. So we'll see how Paul and Silas handled this uh, horrible situation, and we'll read down in verse 25, and be ready because it happens very quickly, because it's uh, in about two verses everything just kind of you know. So verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And the doors immediately flew open, and the chains on every prisoner fell off. So what was the key here? They were delivered from, from, their, uh, from their chains, from, their, from the, the bindings that they, that they uh, had on them. But the key here was in the midst of their tribulation, they sang hymns to God. They praised God. They weren't sitting there asking and sulking and being like, oh, God, I did all this for you. Why can't? you know why am I here? You know Just deliver me from these from these chains that i 'm in it 's not fair god lord i need to I need to be free no they they praised him, which can be a little confusing to us because why would we praise for something that that hasn 't happened yet? you know it might not make sense, but it's it 's the key you see, I think just as much. As prayer is important, and it is important to bring our needs to, to God. But it's also important to praise Him for the things that He's done in the past and the things that He's going to do. Because it's just as important to claim the victory as it is to ask for the victory. Isn't that right? So, I want to, and I'm going to address you guys a little bit. That's kind of just how I uh, how I do it. But how would how would we, how would we... Uh, put ourselves in that situation what would we do when we're in the in the prison because i feel like me personally i'd be you know i'd be a little confused i i just sit there in my chains i'd be like you know come on i'd be like god come on i'm in chains i just i just exercise that demon eye the lady and here i am in the middle of the prison in like the worst situation i could be in i just did what you wanted me to do and i'm here so the best you could do for me is just set me free, right? But they didn't. They praised him. And that's my main point. Their key didn't come from their Christmas wish list, didn't come from the demands they, they came to God with. It came from their prayer and praise to God, because sometimes it's not about what we can get from God, but instead it's about what we can give, you know what we can offer up to God. So it's, it's hard to put ourselves aside and to put aside our own needs and our own situations because they, they can be hard, let's be honest. But it's important to recognize that he is bigger and he will overcome in time. So we got to praise him in the here and now, isn't that right? So God had met them in their situation because they praised in their situation. And I, I actually want to bring a little bit of a story. So I'll set the scene here. It's 2014, 2014, in Atlanta, Georgia. There is a 10 year old boy, his name is Willie Myrick, and if you want to put up, that's Willie Myrick. Say hi to Willie Myrick. <laughs> so this little boy is walking down the streets of Atlanta, Georgia, 2014, and he's approached by a van offering cash. And like any 10-year-old like any 17-year-old would do, you know, cash. You know, cash is pretty cool, right? So Willie is, uh, he believes this man, and he, get in, he gets into his van, and little does he know that Willie is, you know, being kidnapped. He's being abducted by a man. And right when Willie realizes his situation, this is the fun part. I'm sure some of you have heard the story before, and actually, Hannah, it's kind of a coincidence that we sang this this morning. But Willie, in his situation, without any other thought, started singing, every praise is to our God, every word of worship with one accord, every praise, every praise is to our God. And I, I imagine this story in kind of a funny light. So I, I imagine Willie just sitting at the back singing his song, and the guy driving the van is like, what is this kid doing? Right, what is this kid? I, I, just, I just picked him off the street, and he's singing oh, a gospel song? What is that? And w- Willie's approaching the end of the song, and the guy's like, finally, you know, some some relief. He's going to be done. And then Willie starts right back up at the top, at every praise is to our God, every word of worship and will accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. <laughs> Willie Myrick sings this song repeatedly for three hours before being released by his abductor without any harm any harm whatsoever on the boy for singing praises to God for three hours straight. This 10 year old boy had the faith to praise God in the midst of his situation to praise God. And, and that's crazy to think because he's, he knows he's being kidnapped. He knows he's in a horrible situation. And I mean, if I was in that situation, I'd be scared to death. You know, I'd be, I'd be shaking. I'd be sweating. I, I'd be asking just like Paul and Silas, like, why, why, why might I be here? You know? Why am I here? But he had the faith, this 10 year old boy, to sing praises to God in the midst of his situation. And that is, that is fascinating to me. It's, it's crazy to think that his praise and his praise to God in the midst of his situation is what got him out of the situation. Right? So, I think that some of us here might be going through some things. I, I, I'm sure everybody here is going through some things. I know me personally. I've been going through, through a lot. You know, just a lot of stress with finals coming up, a lot of other things. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to find the time and to find the faith to not ask things of God. To not just come to God every Sunday and say, here's my Christmas wish list, God. Please just come through for me. And then on Christmas Day, I'll give you the thanks. I'll give you, I'll give you the thanks that you deserve for delivering me. But I think the key point here is not thank God after the situation. Not thank God with the, the Christmas gifts. You know, the wonderful things. But it's important to thank and praise God in the midst of where we're at. I think today it's important... To put your worries aside. Put your, put your concerns. Put your, your um, situations. Just put them aside. And God's been dealing with me. With, with this for the last couple of weeks. I've just been trying to put my own needs aside. And re- recognizing that God. You will come through. And you are worthy of the praise. And no matter what I go through. I know that it's you. So I'm going to praise you anyway. You know if we see the victory. That's wonderful. We thank you for the victory. If we don't then you still deserve the praise. Because you're still the same God, no matter what. And um, as, as I close out, I have a song, uh, a little song I want to play for you. It's one of my favorite Christian songs. Every time I hear it, it's, uh, it, it sparks something within me. Because it, it's deep, you know? And I've heard it ever since I was a kid, and every time I hear it now, like it's still, it still gets me excited. So... Um, it's called Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns. I'm sure many of you have heard it. But I urge you just to listen to the song and really, really listen to the words that they're trying to say, because they're important. You know, as much as the song is, it's a beautiful song, it's very moving, but the things they are saying and claiming, it's important. You know, it's important to sit there and really recognize and be moved by the music and, and see that. It's important to praise God in the midst of our struggles. So if you guys could play that, that'd be awesome.
1: I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down. Wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining But as the thunder rolls I barely hear You whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls And praise the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you.
2: God works sometimes. It took everything within me not to ask Zach what he was preaching on, because um, one, I, I was a little bit nervous about today. I think he was a little bit nervous about today, but uh, it, it's going to flow kind of really well with what I have. But I, uh, I want to say how thankful and grateful I am for our pastor. I reached out to him about a month ago when I found out he was going to be in Texas, and I said, hey, could I, could I preach this service today? And I said, I really feel like God uh, wants to use Zach to, to preach as well. And he didn't question it. He just said, absolutely, that would be amazing. So I love the fact that we have an amazing pastor who's so supportive of our youth and, and so many of us. We have an amazing pastor and his wife. I do want to say I'm thankful to have my my dad and my stepmom here today. Amen. <laughs> they... uh. They serve as the youth leaders at Victory Life Church in New Haven. My dad is their Sunday school superintendent, and Robin is also on their praise team. So they do a lot for their church, and I just—I'm very proud of everything that God is doing in you and your ministries, and I'm so thankful to have you here with us today. And for those of you that were curious, the reason why they're here was about 10 minutes ago. So uh, my dad loves me, but it's that that next generation I feel like that he loves just a little bit more, and that's all right. I also want to— say, uh, how much I love and appreciate my wife. Um, when I, when I preach or when I teach, uh, it takes a lot out of me. I take a lot of time studying. I take a lot of time doing things and she has to pick up the slack at home. So I was like, it'll be fine. You know, I've got notes for, for, I've been working on these notes for about half a month. And then I was like, oh, I'm doing Sunday morning service too. I was like, Sarah, I need more help. And then I have the prison tonight. And so she's just been, uh, carrying the load of the house. And, uh, I, I couldn't have found a more supportive and amazing wife than Sarah, so I just want to say thank you so much. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to be taking my text today from the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. I promise I'm not going to be too long-winded today. I promised my wife for every minute that Zach preached, I would shave two minutes off my message. She was just as excited as you guys are. She didn't know I had an hour and a half worth of notes, so... Uh, We'll see how it goes. No, I'm kidding. I I really don't have a whole lot today, Uh, but I do believe that God is in this place today. So if you've got Jeremiah 29 and 11, it's a very familiar verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And with God's help today, I want to preach this thought. It's all part of his plan. Let us pray today. God, I want to thank you for what we've already experienced in this place. God, from the beginning, Lord, from the worship, Lord, to the message we've already received today, God, I know that you are in this place today, Lord. And I'm just asking, Lord, that the rest of this day, Lord, the rest of this message, Lord, let it be anointed by you, God. Lord, let it be something that that we might be able to grab a hold of and take action to today, God. We want to thank you, Lord, for, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm sure many of you have heard this verse before. Many times it's quoted when you're going through a little bit of a tough time, right? Or when you're at a crossroads in life. A lot of times you'll hear Jeremiah 29 and 11 at graduations, situations like that. And man, it's a great verse to hear. God's plans for you are good. He wants to give you a hope and a future. But here's the problem with this verse. We always take it out of context. Now don't get me wrong, I would love to get up here and preach a, a message about God loves you so much that he's going to swoop in and he's going to rescue you from your situation and you're not going to have to go through any kind of heartache or pain and and the situation you're in right now and the one that feels like it's really hard God said his plans for you are good so this isn't his will for you so he's going to rescue you from it and that's what's going to happen Brother Caleb I wish I could sugarcoat the truth like that but I'm trying to be a good steward of this body If you weren't here on Wednesday night, Caleb preached on stewardship of the body, talking about what we eat, how we exercise. It was a phenomenal message. Just don't listen to it if you're hungry. (laughs) Me and my wife always go out to eat after church on Wednesday, and we're like, okay, we'll we'll just do something quick and go hit up the drive-thru on the way home. We just got home from Memphis, still a lot of packing and things like that to do, and we get in the car and said, do you want to hit up McDonald's? Both kind of just stared at each other for a minute. It's like, I don't think we can now. So, but it was a, it was a good word. It was a great word. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to check it out on the podcast. Uh, stewardship of this body, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the book of Jeremiah. And when God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to Judah, when he called them, they were experiencing a great revival. They were experiencing blessings of God. And it was in the midst of this revival that God speaks to Jeremiah. And he warns Jeremiah. He says the roots that they have, they're not strong enough. They're not deep enough yet. Things are going great under King Josiah, but that's just because of his leadership. And there's going to come a day where he's not going to be there to lead the people. And if they haven't put a firm foundation down, they're going to fade away. It's not going to last. So he's using Jeremiah to speak warnings to Judah. We're 29 chapters into Jeremiah at this point, and he's been preaching to. Parts of a revival saying, God's going to turn his back on us. We need, to, we need to consecrate ourselves, but the people aren't listening. And when God speaks these words over Jeremiah, uh, in, in, in Jeremiah 29, Judah was just taken into captivity. For 28 chapters, Jeremiah had warned the people that it was going to happen. Captivity was going to come. And for the next 70 years, they were going to have to live in captivity. But it was in the midst of their struggle in the midst of their bondage, that God reminds them that I've still got a plan for you. The world around you might be in chaos. It might not be a fun place to live right now, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a plan for you. You go back just a few verses in Jeremiah 29 and 4, it says that, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that were carried away as captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. It was God's plan. He says, I, I caused this to happen. Verse number five says, Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. He's telling them, You're going to plant gardens and you're going to be there long enough that there's going to be fruit that you're going to reap from this harvest. Verse six, Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that they may be increased there and not diminished. Even in bondage, he's telling the people, I want you to grow. I want you to, to flourish. I, I want you to have families. Verse 7 says, And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For, for in the peace thereof shall ye have Peace. And the peace that you pray for the ones that are causing you harms, that's when you're going to find your peace. And and, and the peace that you're praying for for the world around you that you don't like and understand, that's where I'm going to have peace for you. And there's a whole lot to unpack right there. These people went from being in revival to being taken away into bondage. And God tells them, he says, listen, I know this isn't where you want to be right now, but this is the season of life that I've called you to. See, while you're there, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant gardens. I I want you to get married, have kids. I want you to raise up a new generation and not forget where you've come from. I want you to teach this next generation about the revival that you had. And I know that you might be mad at the enemy right now. And I I know that you want to despise them for everything that they're putting you through. But what does verse 7 say? It says, I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray peace for them. For those that afflict you, for those that make your life hard, I want you to pray peace on them. And when you pray peace on them, I'm going to give you peace as well. I believe I've come here today to tell somebody in the midst of chaos, I know you feel angry. I know you feel defeated and you just want to sit around and you want to wait for, for this season to pass. But God says, I've still got a plan for you. I've still got a life for you to live. I've still got a work that needs to be done. There are people that have hurt you and you want to turn your back on them. But I want you to pray blessings of peace on them. God called the church to get to work. To stop being a victim and to start living again. But brother Josh, what can I do? I can't do what the Lord's called me to do because look at the state of the world around me. You know, in just a month, it's going to be 2023, right? Why is the church still stuck in a 2020 mentality of we can't reach anyone and we can't do anything because we're still victims and it's still crippling and and this is still a struggle? We can choose to be a victim and we can choose to live in a struggle or we can say, you know what, God, this is the season you've called me to be in. You've called me to do a work and you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that work. Because here's the thing, I can wait until my future when things get better. I can wait until my future when things are less chaotic. I can wait until the the future isn't guaranteed to us. But what's guaranteed to us is the work that God has called us to do today. In the midst of captivity, he says there's hope. God said, I'm going to be there when you call on me, and I'm going to deliver you from the situation that you're in, but not today. You see this place that you're in, this this trial that you're going through. You see it as, as, as another struggle and as another thing that, that you just have to hurry up and get through. And God's saying, I've placed you in a mission field. I want you to grow where you're at. I want you to stop looking at what could be and say, God, this is what I've got. And I'm going to do what I need to do with what you've given me with where I am. Because there's a world that I need to make an impact on. God's calling someone to do a work today. He's calling on someone to stop being angry at the world and start praying for them. He's calling people to grow, to lay foundations, to stop waiting for tomorrow and and get to work. I know this season is a difficult one, but God is calling us to prosper where we are. It's difficult, and we just want to move on, but he's placed us here for a reason. He says, my plans for you aren't evil. His plans aren't to harm us. But his plans for us are to give us a future and to give us hope. You see, sometimes in order us for t- us to be ready for the future that God has for us, he's got to hurt us a little bit. And there's a huge difference between being hurt and causing harm. In one of our Connect classes, we were reading a book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Boundaries. And it did this great job of clarifying the difference between hurting someone and causing someone harm. Dr. Cloud talks about someone who was he was counseling and they had a coworker at work that had just was terrible with their job performance and they wished that this coworker would just take responsibility for their failures because it was starting to affect their work. No one's ever been there, right? Where work or family or household chores where someone's it, you're just angry and you just want to say something about it, right? And Dr. Cloud tells them tell them well, well, I can't do that because if I, if I tell them well, what's happening and what they're doing to me, I'm going to hurt their feelings. And Dr. Cloud says, but will they grow from it? Well, yeah, but, but you're, you're giving me permission to, to hurt someone? And we're going to do a huge caution right here, all right? This only works when it's out of love. Sarah, don't get excited. You still have to be nice to people. I'm not telling everyone, hey, I'm going to go around and I'm going to go tell this person off because, by God, Brother Josh said that if you're wrong, you're wrong, and I can tell you exactly what I think. No, this has to be out of love. And if she heard that, I'm going to pay for that one later. I understand that. But that's all right. But when we avoid tough conversations because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, we're causing them harm. Well, I was baptized in the name of the, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or I was I was baptized as an infant, and they, they sprinkled water on me. Well, God, I know what their heart is, and they had a desire to become closer to you, and I, I, I don't want to upset them, but Scripture says you need to be fully emerged. You need to be fully taken down in the name of Jesus Christ, and that's the only way to be baptized. But what if I hurt their feelings? What if we spare their feelings, and they die and go to hell? by protecting someone's feelings sometimes we're risking their salvation and again i'm not giving permission to go around judging people saying hey you're going to hell and you're going to hell and no 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 that's not what we're doing and you don't need to do this in public and you especially don't need to do this on social media i'm going to get on a, on a platform here for just a second and this isn't this isn't my message this is josh but if you want to win souls and you want to do things you need to watch what you say and do on social media oh i 'm just trying to reach them i 'm just trying to do this no you 're being hateful and you're being bitter and you 're saying that oh it 's the will of God no it's not it's your will and you 're ugly for it. If you love people, you love people and you do it in private and you say listen you're struggling with this, and God has more for you. He has better things for you to do for me to to get up on the platform and say, "Jim, this is what you were doing last night and God said you're no, that does nothing, but I see people up. Well, I'm just doing God's will on Facebook, throwing out comments. No, you're destroying ministries. That's what you're doing. We need to do things out of love. We need to know the difference between hurt and harm. And that's what God does to us sometimes. He gives us the Holy Ghost for a reason because it convicts us sometimes. Sometimes God warns us about things that we're holding on to, things that are going to cause us a lot of harm. And he says, you know what, Josh, you need to get that out of your life. We don't like it when God tells us no. God doesn't like telling us no, but he's doing it to protect us. He's doing it to, to keep us from harm. The example that the book gave was so amazing. He says, has anyone ever been to the dentist and have a, had a cavity removed? I may have had one or two removed, maybe. May have more cavities than I have teeth, but that's all right. But does it hurt? Yes. Having a cavity removed, it hurts. You betcha. But he asked, but does the dentist cause you harm in doing it? And in the moment, yeah, it feels like he's causing me harm. But no, what he's actually doing is he's removing that decay. And if that decay is not uh, un- left untreated, it could become an infection. And that infection could hurt me. And you can actually die from a toothache. That infection can kill you. But you see, all, eating all that candy and all that bread and all that, that good stuff that caused the cavity, did that hurt? Not a bit, man. I enjoyed that. But see, that's the thing that caused the harm. It's the thing that I enjoyed that I thought this is great, but that was the thing that was causing me harm. See, it's all coming back to stewardship of the body. You want to know a dirty little secret? Sometimes sin feels good. Sometimes living a life that I want to live my way and be completely selfish about what I want to do and ignoring everything that God's calling me to do, man, it can feel good. In that moment, it can be feel great, but that 's the thing that 's killing us and what happens is is we come to church sometimes and and we just want that 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 checkup right to to, to come up to an altar and get a quick cleaning you know God, just the surface don 't go any deeper it 's just making me feel good about myself, and then God starts to to prick things in our hearts. God, not that we get mad at God and god god i don 't want to feel pain I't I, I only want to feel joy I only want to feel peace i only want to feel these good things and god's saying but i need to remove some things in your life in order to get there there's some things that you have to let go of sometimes there's some people that he has to remove from our lives and we're saying but god it, it hurts me to not have him in my life anymore and he says if you leave him around it's going to cause you harm it can destroy you if you leave it in your life and that's where jeremiah was with judah it was years after these people had done idol worship and there was a separation between god and judah And God used this bondage, this pain, this hurt. Even though it was tough, he had to use it to restore the relationship he wanted to have with his people. If God really loved me, then he wouldn't make me experience hurt. No, sometimes God makes us hurt because he's trying to protect us from harm. He's trying to protect us from from something even worse. Because God's got a future for you. He's got hope for you. He still has a plan for you. It isn't a mistake that we're in the season that we're in. We're exactly where God has placed us to be. We need to stop waiting for God to just show up and rescue us from our situation and just do what He's called us to do. Don't get me wrong, there is a season to wait. And if God has put you in a season of waiting, don't you dare step out of it. But I can't help but feel like some of us are just taking the easy way out. God's called us for a purpose. And all we're doing is looking around at the situation of of the world, uh, the chaos of our life, the struggles that we're going through, and we're saying, God, I can't do this. I need you to come get me. You you said that you had a great plan for me, and he's saying, I do have a great plan for you, but you need to do the work in the meantime. God, put us in this place, in this time, for a reason. And it's not to look forward to one day and say, one day we're going to do this, and one day we're going to do that. One day it'll get better. God's saying, I see you where you are. And I see what you're struggling with. And I know it's not fun for you right now. I know you don't want to be here any longer. But in spite of your situation, I've called you to do a work. I've called you to build a house, to put down roots, to, to get connected to your community. I've, I've called you to, to find love and, and to raise up another generation. The next generation needs to know what I'm capable of. I don't want it to be stories of well, six years ago when we had revival, it was amazing. But you know, the last three years, we've just been we've been holding on. No, no, God didn't say, "Oh, this is the season of holding on and just making it as far." No, God called us to do something now. He called us to reach this community. He called people to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and we get excited when oh, we've had two people get the Holy Ghost this year. God saying, "No, I've called you to reach so many other people, but we're sitting around waiting." Saying, God, we can't do this. Just take us from here. And he's saying, no, get to work. You're capable of it. Listen, li- living for God right now is it easy? No. It's not PC. It- it's not hip. It's not cool. But I don't care what the state of the world is around me. All I care about is a hope and a future that God has for me. Even when I don't understand it, even when I don't feel worthy of it, God has a plan. When God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah thought he was too young. He wasn't ready for the calling that God wanted him to do. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were even born, I set you apart. It's not the wrong time. God didn't make a mistake. He's placing you here. He has a plan. He has it all laid out. And I love God's response to Jeremiah. In verse 7, it says, The Lord replied, Don't say that I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth and he said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow. And others you must build up and plant. And this calling... On Jeremiah sounds amazing. God says that he's reached down and he's placed words into his mouth. And, and Jeremiah was going to be used to, to stand up against kingdoms. He, he was going to use Jeremiah to, to tear down strongholds and, and kingdoms. He was going to use Jeremiah to build up these new kingdoms. And this all sounds like a great and amazing, powerful calling. But 28 chapters of Jeremiah and the work is hard. I'm going to repeat that for some of you that are taking notes. God's calling on your life might be an amazing experience, but sometimes the work is hard. Being called and accepting God's plans for your life, it isn't enough. He didn't give you a call so that you could smile and think, man, one day I'm going to do something great. But God's called you to work now. and The greater the call, the greater the sacrifice. Sometimes as Christians, we pray for greatness because we see others and how God uses them, and we, and we expect God to do all the work when we pray that way. God, use me in a mighty way, and when I say use me, you do everything, and I'm going to sit back and take the credit. God said, Jeremiah, I'm going to equip you with everything that you need. It'll be my words, but Jeremiah, you're going to have to be the one to roll up your sleeves. You're going to have to be the one to tear down kingdoms. You're going to have to be the one to go down there and plant things. You see, it wasn't easy for Jeremiah. Jeremiah's family and friends, they turned away from him. Just for doing what God called him to do. He felt alone, he felt powerless. And in Jeremiah 20, it says that everyone around him mocked him, but he kept doing what God called him to do. Jeremiah seven, twenty-two says, This is that I told them: obey me, and I will be your God, and ye will be my people. Do everything as I say, and all will be well. But my people would not listen to me. They kept doing whatever they wanted, following their stubborn desires of their evil hearts. They went backwards instead of forwards. From the day of your ancestors left Egypt until now, I have continued to send my servants, the prophets, day in and day out. But my people have not listened to me or even tried to hear. They have been stubborn and they have been sinful, even worse than their ancestors. Tell them all this, but do not expect them to listen. Shout your warnings, but do not expect them to respond. People doing whatever they wanted to do people following their stubborn desires of their own heart, moving backwards instead of forwards. I feel like we're at where Jeremiah was. And Jeremiah even warned him. He says, preach to them, warn them, do everything you can. And the reward that Jeremiah had for making himself vulnerable, for putting himself out there and preaching the word of God and trying to reach the lost, he said, Jeremiah, they're not even going to respond. God, you want me to, to say right is right and wrong is wrong in this environment? God, people are literally getting canceled for that. But Jeremiah kept preaching even though no one was listening. And I feel like this in the Holy Ghost today. I'm, I'm speaking to someone you've been stepping out and you're trying to reach the lost. You've got a burden for them and you're doing everything that God's called you to do and they're just not responding. And you're questioning God, have you placed me where I'm supposed to be? You're doing exactly what God wants you to do and he's got great plans for you. But sometimes we get so busy looking for the fruit of our labor. We get so busy looking for confirmation of God's blessings are upon me. What we need to do is say, God, in the midst of everything, I'm going to be obedient to your voice, God. I don't understand it, God. And it seems like sometimes I'm talking to a brick wall, but God, if you call me to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. Someone needs to get a spirit of Jeremiah in the house today and say, God, it might not be popular and I might not understand it, but I'm going to be obedient to your call. It's not about the glory or recognition that I receive, but it's about walking in your perfect will today. Last month, I had to do one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I had to put down uh, Petrie. And Petrie was my dog for 15 years. He was my buddy. And uh, for the last several months, I knew that it needed done. But I didn't want to accept it. And... Finally, I accepted that it was time to say goodbye to my little pup. And I would pray every day as I drove to work, Lord, just let him pass while I'm at work. It sounds silly and it sounds dumb, but literally for, for like two months, every day I drive to work, I'm just like, God, just take him. Because, Lord, I know it's time. I know he, I know he's in pain, but, God, it's, I, I don't have the strength to do this. Lord, just do it for me. God, I'm accepting that it needs done, but, but I need you to rescue me from making this decision. And so often we wait for God to come in and make everything easier. God, I'm giving it to to you, and that's the hard thing. And we're just waiting for God to rescue us from our situation. You see, I accepted the decision that needed to be made, but I didn't want to confront the situation. God, I've acknowledged it needs done. See, we come to the realization that we need to let things go, but then we come to the altar and we say, God, I need you to take this from me. And I believe that what God has sent me here today to tell someone is that the realization isn't enough. But you've got to take action for yourself. It's not enough to just say, God, I need to let things go. But but he's asking you to put some things down. He's asking you to, to let some things die in your life. And you don't understand it. And you're like, God, it would just be so much easier if you would do this for me. But he's saying, it's not about being easy. It's about being in my in my will. It's about my plan that I have for you. I'm glad you've come to the the realization that this isn't where you need to be. And I'm glad you have a desire to be free. And sometimes God will rescue you in a moment. I've seen it happen where people come bound with addictions and struggles, and they come to an altar, and in a moment, God takes it all away. But I've also seen it where people come up and they give it to God, and God says, yes, I will, but not yet. Because there's things that you need to do first. You need to let go of this. You need to let go of that. You need to do these things. And, and we're saying, but God, the, the I, I gave it to you. You just need to rescue me. I've, I've given you permission to do it. God's saying you need to put in the work. I'm going to be with you each and every step of the way, but I need you to make a choice. I need you to move forward. I've got plans for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got a future for you, but you need to take on some of the responsibility. If we can all stand and if the music can come, I'm beginning to wrap up. I truly believe that God has a future for this church, that he has an amazing plan for what he wants to do in each and every one of us. But I'm tired of waiting around for the future to come. God has called us to do a work. and We've come up with excuses and we've come up with reasons and we're saying, but God, I'm going through this struggle. And he says, the struggle is part of the call. The situation, the trial, the things that, that, that you don't want to experience, it's what you need to do so that the next generation Doesn't repeat. The next generation rises up and knows who I am. Even in times of uncertainty, even in the chaos of the world around him, he's asking God, do something amazing. He told Jeremiah to tell the people to build a foundation, to plant roots, to pray for forgiveness, to stop waiting on God to rescue them from their situation because he's got a work to do. God didn't say, I've turned my back on you. He says, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you. But in the meantime, you've got to do something. You've got to do something for me. And I feel like that's where we're at today. I feel like God has called us to do things, and we've, we've accepted that things need to change in our lives. We, we've accepted what, what, what God wants us to do, and we're saying, God, I've accepted it, and that's it. And God's saying that's just the, the beginning. I believe he wants us to find an altar today. He wants us to, to find a place in prayer so we can put down that spiritual foundation and say, God, I'm not going to wait for the future, but Lord, use me today. God, I I don't like where I'm at, but God, I'm gonna trust that you still have a, a great future for me and God, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something where I'm at. I'm gonna reach someone where I'm at, God. You you have hope for me and I'm gonna claim it today. But God, I'm gonna do something for you today. Can we all come to the altar today? Can we find a place to pray? And can we worship him anyhow? In the midst of whatever we're going through, can we give him that praise today?